Welcome to Get Rooted. A Mending Roots Healing Center production. This is where we get real, get real messy, and get rooted in all things that heal us. I'm Nick, licensed clinical mental health counselor. I'm Megan, licensed clinical social worker. Megan, are you ready? Uh, not at all. Let's go with that. Okay. <laughs> this week, we are interviewing Moak Craig. So I'm going to be with my energy right now. It's here. Awesome. Y'all feel it? We're, <laughs> we're here for all of the energy. Okay. So I think I'm choosing to go first with how did I first discover mending roots? I've actually been trying to figure that out. You know how sometimes a series of events seem unrelated and then you look back and you start kind of connecting the dots and being like, oh, I mm. think that's part of how I found y'all and mending roots. Um, it all started. <laughs> no. It really actually did start like probably a year ago where I felt like something was really wrong. Every day I would get home from work. I was working in residential. I am working in residential, but at the time working in residential primarily. And I would come home and feel like something was really wrong, but I didn't know what it was. I couldn't name it. I couldn't claim space for it. I had no idea what it was. All I knew is that I was not showing up in the world the way that I wanted to or the way that I felt like I could. Uh, every day felt hard. Every day felt both too short and too long. Um, I felt weighed down by a lot of the experiences I was having. I was questioning whether or not I wanted to be a social worker. I was not present with my family. Um, even when I was trying to be present, I just felt like this thing that felt wrong was always with me. And it was, it wasn't like I was in a space where I could like grow my awareness because it was everywhere. It was across all domains. It was taking up so much space. So I think I didn't really know what to do with that at first. And I think like many people who kind of feel maybe some stress or feelings of overwhelm, I just kept pushing it away, pushing it away. But the more I sort of like studied it, kind of going back to what we were just talking about, like sitting with something, the more I sort of allowed myself to be curious about what that was, the more willing I was to question and try to seek some answers on, well, if you don't know what is wrong, can we at least figure out why does it matter? Like just start even with the premise of like, why does it matter mm -hmm. that I'm feeling this way? And I was able to really sort of acknowledge that I just wasn't again, showing up in the world the way that I knew I could and the way I knew I wanted to. Yeah. Um, and I think that was like the very first step for me is just sort of acknowledging that and working very slowly in a way that I did not recognize as any sort of progress towards where I'm at right now, which is really trying to like find a way to show up in the world the way I want to show up, be the mama I am to my kid, be the social worker I know I can be, be present, be connected, be engaged. Um, laugh, have fun, feel light in all the different ways and all the different areas of my life. And 
I think that that search, again, I don't know exactly how all the pieces fell in the line, brought me to that first interview with Crystal and Lydia. Mm -hmm. It was random. I wasn't necessarily ready to like look for a way out of what I was doing. I was still very much in the, I don't know what's wrong. Everything just feels wrong right now. Yeah. And in that conversation with them, it was like a aha moment. It was a, when they were kind of sharing their vision of creating a space for clinicians to come together for mentorship, for community, for learning, for making mistakes, for repairing, doing it again if you need to, like all the all the different ways of like experiencing what this work could be. It felt like an invitation that I needed to hear. And I didn't even know it until they sort of just laid it out, like what their vision is. Yeah. I'm reading I'm reading um Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with Ezra right now it really much is like peeling back a layer and seeing that gold foil beneath like the winning ticket that you weren't even like not only was I not looking for I didn't I absolutely didn't think it existed it's that yeah yeah feel really profoundly lucky awesome yeah so what does this new chapter signify for you like what are the what are the core pieces that you're resonating with um, the first thing that comes to the surface that kind of rises to the surface for me is self. Like, I feel like I can be myself in this work, in this space, in a way that in a lot of the previous work I had done, it wasn't like a mandate that I disconnect from myself or divorce pieces of myself but it was almost like in order to sort of operate and be and to fit into a systems approach that did not jive with who I am it was either do that or not have the job you know Mm -hmm. what I mean like it didn't feel like a choice and I think this new phase for me joining a group being a part of Mending Roots is like it kind of feels like we're all like building something together from the ground up Or someone else shared this with me once, um, a good friend of mine and also a a therapist who said, like, we're 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 building the plane as it flies (laughs) and we don't want (laughs) to die. Right. So there's a lot of urgency in that. Right. It could crash. It could crash. It definitely is going (laughs) to crash. There's no (laughs) way. Or land safely. That's an option, too. We didn't even talk about that. Right. There's no almonds for snacks. <laughs> no peanuts on board. <laughs> no. I was trying to be nut-free there when I said almonds. Like, we're not right. going to do peanuts. But, yeah, there's something about being a part of something that feels so new, pioneering in a lot of ways. I mean, I think that's what we're all experiencing. So I don't feel like we are, are kidding ourselves here. Like it feels new because it is new. Like if we are all sort of having a, at least that mutual experience of like, this feels really different from all the things that we've experienced before about our practice setting and our approach to therapy and the support, the camaraderie, the, the support that we're just like providing for one another every day. If it's feeling new to us, I feel like it's going to definitely feel new to the clients who are seeing us in this space. And as someone who's like really new to just even entering into this space, it feels, this is a, feels like a home. I mean, it is a house, but it feels like a home. Like it feels like a place where you want to be. It radiates a sense of welcome, but also inclusion. 
for all parts, you know? Like, I've been here for what? I'm like five minutes in. <laughs> yeah. You know? And like, I feel like already I've sat down with each of you, either in groups or separately, and like, have had a real connection, have talked about something that matters to you or matters to me, matters to both of us. So that's what this new kind of phase is feeling like. It feels like I don't have to um, dissect parts of myself in order to be here. Mm -hmm. I can bring my whole self. It can be, it's going to be messy because it's new and we're learning. And while you're new and learning, you're going to fall on your face. It's just inevitable. And I feel super supported doing that here in a way I don't think I would allow myself to do in other environments. Mm -hmm. It wasn't safe to do. Uh, We were talking earlier about how polished you are and eloquent with your words. Mm -hmm. So we're wondering what you're butting up against or struggling with lately. You really just touched on something, actually, which is I don't feel polished or eloquent with my words. Hmm. I have noticed for a long time now that I process information in this way that I find is tedious. Um, especially when I'm in that game of comparing myself to everyone else in the universe who does it so much better than me. Right. I love that game. Oh, that is a fun game. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Quotation marks. Right? Yeah. 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 Quotation marks. Quotation marks. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I often feel like, This is where imposter syndrome will come up for me Um, when I'm sharing unless, okay, let me say this, unless I'm really present, if I'm feeling like that connection and I'm with you and we're, yeah, just like really sitting with one another, hearing and just trying to be open, then things are flowing. My thoughts don't get stuck. I'm processing, I'm synthesizing, integrating information. But to be honest, how often does that happen in the day to day? Not often. So in in certain circumstances, my words I am using as armor and to prove to myself first and foremost, but then most certainly prove to other people that I have value and that I deserve to be there. Mm. So it feels like a struggle. Um, So it's, I think you, when you use the word polish, I get really sort of like, I I get curious about that because it's like, how am I, am I fronting in some way? Because I don't feel polished. I feel awkward, um, tongue-tied sometimes. Yeah, I feel like sometimes just a little untethered. Unless, again, it's just like a a connection is happening and I can really feel embodied Mm -hmm. and slow myself down. That's when I feel like I can be polished. So the structure and eloquence of the words is a survival strategy for you. I would say so. Yeah. That resonates for sure. There's something about this part of me that is simultaneously trying to puff myself up so I can get through whatever it is, but at the same time saying, who do you think you are? You don't deserve to be here. Hmm. You know, it's those parts Mm -hmm. of ourselves that are like, they're not integrated and trying to find a space where those can coexist is really hard. It's super hard. And I think that's the goal for me is I'm not, again, trying to carve off these parts. They're there for a reason. Yeah. There's a time when they made absolute sense. 
to kind of like be in charge of that moment and to create some sort of safety or some sort of harbor for safety. But there's many times in the day where it's not necessary, but there they are. Those like pattern responses that we have mm-hmm. to the world. Um, so trying to find a way for those parts to coexist is sometimes it feels impossible, but every once in a while it happens. I think for me, like one of the things that we share and we've connected on is this idea of like incorporating the physical body Mm -hmm. in the healing process. Mm -hmm. And I guess I'm wondering, like, how did you find yourself there as a therapist Mm -hmm. getting trained in what you're doing? Just like a really simple question. No big deal. Shouldn't take that long. No big deal. No big deal. Sorry. There's a, I think there's a lot of like access points to that for me. I'm even using my body right now that y'all can't see to kind of like even show that. So my hands and we're never shirts. filming this. Yeah. So don't ask. Oh, that would have been a hard no. <laughs> no. Oh, you're filming no way. it. Thanks, but no thanks. Yep. Um, one, I think one of my very first experiences thinking about the body as a, a catalyst for healing was actually as a client in therapy. And I had not had a lot of experience going to a therapist. It was a really new thing, but I was going to graduate school for social work. And I thought now would be a good time perhaps to explore therapy because things happen in a graduate environment and in a social work environment. Mm -hmm. Um, But my therapist at the time was her approach to working with me was really novel. I'd never, I just assumed that I would sit or lay, actually like lay down on a couch and like talk about my dreams or something. I had no idea what therapy was supposed to be like. And she modeled from the moment I entered into the space until the moment I left, she modeled this idea of mirroring neurons of like what she sort of puts out in the world reflects back to me. And then we speak and communicate through just even our bodies and the emotional responses that we're having show up, you know, through our bodies and our stress shows up and our trauma shows up and it's all held and contained in the bodies that we live in. And I really think it was one of the first times I actually was conscious of the fact that we live in our bodies. I had taken it for granted my whole life. Mm. I was at that time like 30, 32. And I was like, Oh, I live in my body. This is with me constantly. And through the work I did with her, I still use a multiple resource and practices that she taught me in therapy for like grounding, for mindfulness, for bringing awareness and attention to things that are big and hard and scary and you don't want to think about. Um, she just had such an approach that was like fully embodied. And again, it was like her presence was even a part of the therapeutic sort of alliance that we had in the approach. I learned so much, but I didn't know that at the time. It wasn't until I had stopped seeing her, gotten through grad school, um, moved on with my life. And there was a period of time where I fell into a really deep, like kind of dark depression, like a stage of life where that was really, really difficult. And kind of through the process of trying to like figure out how am I going to get through this, I recalled a lot of the kind of the conversations that she and I had had about use really like being in relationship to my body, mm-hmm. building awareness and list, like really listening to figure out what it is that I need to do next. The next best thing I can do to support myself. 
and this idea of kind of warming up to a more foundational space, like to work incrementally, literally from below the ground up, you know? Um, it was in that recognition of how much that had helped me in the past, but in that moment of really needing a lot of, a lot of support, I think the profound thing I learned was like, while it was still great at that time to also be in therapy, I also had myself, like it was new. Mm. I was in relationship to myself, could rely on myself, the wisdom of the body, all of my experiences in the past had value. It was just a really profound experience. And I think I really credit her so much for the work that she did. She has no idea. You ready to rapid fire? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Right. Whoa. Rapid fire. Rapid fire questions. We didn't need a name to this segment. Go ahead. Uh, what's your favorite season? Fall. What book have you given the most as a gift? The Phantom Toll Booth. What makes you laugh? Everything. Inappropriate laughter, especially. <laughs> um, would your 12-year-old self think you were cool? Ouch. <laughs> I love that question, too. It's an evil Yes. Laugh. Actually, yeah. I think so. Do you have tattoos? Yes. Are you more cautious or bold? Yes. Uh, what do you wish you learned sooner? I wish I'd learned sooner to slow down. To pause. What is your greatest extravagance? These uh, boots I bought myself for my birthday two years ago. I've never spent so much money on a pair of boots before. And I definitely did not take them out of the box for about four months after I bought them home. A living person that you admire? So many just came to my mind. I'm going to say my partner, Mike. What is your greatest fear? But I'll let fear get in my way. You have made it to the end of the podcast. If you made it this far, you probably like us. Or you were just distracted while you were listening to the episode. Either way, we're really glad you made it. If it's the latter, don't share this with anybody. (laughs) If it's the former, give us a shout out. You know, like us, subscribe. What else do you do to a podcast? I'm confused. Send it to a close friend. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're really grateful and glad you're here. And uh, we'll see you next time. Can I swear? Uh, We We don't know. No, no, no. That we do know, but it's up to you. (laughs) The explicit warning is on the podcast. Ergo. Oh, I think I just lost my phrase. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. Here, hopefully at some point. What if two drops in a bucket? (laughs) (laughs) I don't like that question. Back off. (laughs) Okay.